Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Legal Happenings from KRWC for this Sunday morning. My name is John McCooley. I'm the you know, semi-retired former law librarian for Wright and Sherburne Counties, sharing some time with you each Sunday morning here on KRWC, providing information on our court systems. As a former law librarian, I had some knowledge that I wanted to share with you when I left uh, the job, and uh, that's what we do each week at this time. Unfortunately, this uh, COVID-19 has got us all pinned down in our home, in the safety of our homes, I hope, and there's not a lot to report, but I will give you information uh, concerning what is open uh, at the courthouse throughout our state by simply directing you to the Minnesota Judicial Branch website. I'll give you that address in just a bit. You can go there. You can find out all kinds of information, uh, whether you're having a court hearing or going to set one up. Perhaps you uh, would like to know more about jury duty or something that's pending in your case. Again, you can find it at the update, which was last given on May 1st, keeping the courthouses empty so that we can reduce the spread of the COVID-19. Well, today, District Court Judge Greg Galler is going to tell us a little bit about the subject of legal remedies. What is a remedy? It's not exactly like going to the doctor. That's what the judge will be talking about today. It's not quite that simple. The plaintiff has to do a lot more than just say, here's the problem, fix it. That's what District Court Judge will be talking about. And then later on in the program in the second half, District Court Judge Stephen Halsey produced a commentary on mail and wire fraud, which continues to be a problem in our country, uh, besides robocalls and that sort of thing. So uh, that will be coming up in the second part of our broadcast when we'll give you information on where to find information on how to file for unemployment here in Minnesota. We can give you some phone numbers and a few instructions that will help you out whether you use the phone or go online. So anyway, this program is designed to uh, give you information, and we really haven't had a lot on the court systems in terms of free law clinics, etc. But of course, the Corona-19 uh, problem is what uh, has got us all kind of confused. And one of the big things about uh, where our future lies is the subject of masks. I noticed the other day that a lot of people do not uh, wear a mask. Uh, the governor, I believe, did encourage us to do so. I wear one along with my family when we go out simply because we want to protect the other person. It protects you, uh, the person who isn't wearing one and, and, of course, keeping distance and so on and so forth. I, I guess I was surprised so few of the people in the uh, store were not wearing one. But the coronavirus is nothing to take uh, lightly because Already, we've had over 550 deaths in Minnesota, many, of course, concerning senior citizens. The, the problem is, is that there's still young people involved with that, too. This is a, a very dangerous thing, and I don't think I'd like to go into battle without some sort of protection, whether it be a helmet or a bulletproof vest or something. So the mask, to me, keeps me from making anybody else uh, pick up something that I don't even know I had. So it's a difficult thing, especially when we're living out in the country, some of us, and we really don't see the day-to-day -day struggles like they do in the big cities of Chicago and New York and L.A. and others, but it is serious, folks. And so 
we do urge people to put on the mask. Uh, in fact, some of them are kind of colorful. My wife has made a number of them, and uh, the kids don't particularly care to wear them, but uh, let's face it, again, we can't run the risk of picking up something that could hurt us or weaken our immune system. So please, do whatever you can to protect your family, stay home, keep your distance, wash your hands. You folks know all of that. Years ago when I was a kid and someone had the measles, uh, the doctors would come, uh, actually came to the house, but uh, they would put a sign on the house window, don't come in here because there's a contagious minor disease. It's amazing how uh, concerned they were in those days of not spreading that. And yet today we seem to be, well, we can't be uh, blasé about it. We've got to take it seriously. So we want to have everybody uh, get through this and so we can get our lives back together and um, seek that um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that we all want to share. So, well, let's take a break and learn about legal remedies. And you'll learn something here so that when you watch Bull on Monday night at CBS at channel uh, 9 o'clock, uh, the legal program that analyzes, I'm not so sure how um, factually it is with regard to the true law, but it's entertaining and informative. So anyway, learn what legal remedies are now with District Court Judge Gregory Galler. This is Minnesota District Court Judge Greg Galler. Welcome to Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC, radio for Wright County. Going to court to sue someone is not the same as going to see a doctor. That seems like a pretty obvious statement, right? Few would disagree, and yet quite a few people who come to court don't always understand the difference. Here's what I mean by that. When you go to the doctor, you might describe an injury or illness that you have and the problems you're facing. The doctor listens and then prescribes a remedy. The remedy might involve physical therapy, medication, or even surgery. The point is, you describe your problem, and the doctor tells you what to do to fix it. Sometimes folks come to court to tell me how they've been wronged, and then they ask that I determine what remedy exists to correct the injury. Basically, they say, here's the problem, please fix it. The courts don't work that way. Along with the burden of proof required of plaintiffs, the law also requires plaintiffs to prove that a legal remedy exists and that they are entitled to that specific remedy. The legal field of remedies is a complex one. Law schools teach entire classes on just this concept. So what is a legal remedy? It is the legal means employed to enforce a right or redress an injury. Legal remedies can include monetary compensation, such as how much money someone owes you. Remedies could also include injunctive relief, such as asking the court to order someone to do something that they have a legal duty to do or ordering them to stop doing something that they legally should not be doing. Other folks ask for declaratory relief. This means asking a court only to state or declare the respective rights or obligations of the parties. Other common remedies involve landlords asking to have tenants removed because they have not paid rent or ordering someone to return property that they shouldn't possess. In all cases, the plaintiff must prove that someone has legally harmed them, that the law provides for a remedy, and that they are entitled to that specific remedy. Further, plaintiffs must prove the right to a remedy to a reasonable degree of specificity. For monetary damages, this means describing and proving the exact amount of your monetary loss. 
Let's say you bought a car for $20,000. You later found out that it has a salvage title and is not worth what you paid for it. If you sue for the difference of what you paid and the value of what you received, you are required to prove the value of what you received. You can't just argue that it's worth less than what you paid. You must also prove how much less it is worth. Determining what remedy to ask for is not always a simple task. Some lawyers specialize in just this area. If you've been legally harmed, you will need to prove that a remedy exists that you are entitled to. Unlike Lucy's famous psychiatry stand, when you come to court, the doctor is not in. Instead, you just might need a lawyer. This has been Judge Greg Galler with Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC Radio for Wright County. You're listening to Legal Happenings on KRWC. Thank you for the company and a reminder that the court's system is controlled by our Minnesota judicial system, of course. And for information on what is the activity going on in our courts at this time, remember to go to the website minnesotacourts.gov. Better short, mncourts.gov is the website for the Minnesota court updates on current court activity. Maybe you're pending a case or something of that nature. That website is laid it out. Uh, for you very well so you can find what's open and what isn't. Well, District Court Judge Stephen Halsey will be talking to us on a commentary in just a few minutes here on on the subject of mail and wire fraud. And I wanted to share a few minutes with you just to let you know about some phone numbers concerning filing for unemployment insurance. 30 million Americans now are currently Uh, have filed for unemployment insurance. And here in Minnesota, they've made it pretty easy, I think. And I'll give you a phone number and a web address for those of you who will be applying online in just a few moments to give you a chance to get a pencil or a pen so that you can mark that down. But I want to remind you that if you have a legal question or problem, remember the Minnesota State Bar Association is the professional organization that licenses attorneys in Minnesota. They're the folks to go to when you need an attorney. They have, of course, attorneys that specialize in certain areas, maybe probate, more, maybe litigation, uh, maybe employment, what have you. Just remember that they have a help desk at mnbar.org for the Minnesota State Bar Association. Help desk at mnbar.org and or you may wish to call 612-333-1183 for the Minnesota State Bar Association when you need an attorney. Well, Legal Happenings is a public service of KRWC. We thank the station. We thank Joe Carlson for his continuing work and helping us to get these programs on each Sunday. We've been airing some repeats simply because they are important. And also, we really haven't had a lot to share with you Uh, concerning the court system because obviously COVID-19 has got us all pretty much prisoners in our own home. On the other hand, we can have some fun during that time. Uh, I know uh, if if you can make what somebody hands you a lemon, you make what? Lemon juice, I guess. But uh, with our granddaughter, we've had a lot of fun doing indoor activities from reading books. Uh, Children love to be read to. It helps their 
uh, intellect. They get inspired. It's entertaining. Uh, you can watch them. They're really involved with uh, good quality stories that are made for reading to kids. And uh, I encourage you to do that or maybe grab a puzzle or do something or build something. Or spend a few moments with your children. I think it's a great opportunity to uh, get to re re-know your children. Really, sometimes I know when I was working uh, during the time my children were young, I really didn't get a chance to do much with them. And that's 10 hours a day working for a company that went out of business anyway. I mean, when I look back on it, I really wish I could have spent more time with my children. That's something I think most of us seniors uh, would like to have done had we had the chance again, but we were putting bread on the table. And uh, so, uh, but folks are busy today, but this does give us an opportunity to share uh, some time with those uh, most precious to us, our children. So, well, uh, as I say, we want to give you some information on the Minnesota Unemployment Insurance uh, websites. One of them, I think probably the first thing to do is give you the phone number. If you're doing uh, making application by phone, they have an automated system. The, in the Twin Cities area, yeah, the number is 651-296-3644 if you're filing for unemployment insurance. And of course, you may have many questions. Uh, for example, maybe a worker is taking time off simply because she could catch the virus and bring it home, helping make the rest of the family sick, and they wish not to do that. I guess there are some options there. You have to decide what's best for your family. But uh, that's the number to call to get started if you do not have a computer and are not going on the computer to file. 651-296-3644 for the Minnesota Unemployment Insurance contacts, and they'll take it from there. On the other hand, if you're filing by computer, you simply need to go online to the Minnesota Unemployment Insurance. And then I looked at contacts, and there they have a clear page. It's very easy to navigate. On the extreme left side, there's applicants. That's where you want to go and scroll down two, two lines, and it says, how do I apply? And that's what you want to do, apply. So you move right next to it, to the right, and see the application process. And there you'll have it all, right there. They'll give you a video, and they'll outline your requirements that you have to do and make. So I think it's very helpful to do that. Just remember the Minnesota Unemployment Insurance online and then hit contacts, that's what I did, and it'll lay it out for you real smoothly. And if you have a question, feel free to write me. I will send you the address or the information again. Our address is lawlibrarian at frontier.com, lawlibrarian at frontier.com. My name is John and I would be more than happy to send you any additional information that will help you uh, get filed and become, unfortunately, part of the 300-some million Americans who unfortunately have to file for help at this difficult time. So I hope that gives you a bit of uh, insight. Meanwhile, let's take a few moments to listen to District Court Judge Stephen Halsey as he explains the legal subjects of wire fraud and mail fraud. Welcome to Legal Happenings here on KRWC Radio. I'm Judge Steve Halsey from Ray County District Court, chambered in Buffalo. Today I'm going to answer the question, 
What are mail fraud and wire fraud? Quite often we see in the news that someone has been charged or convicted of mail fraud or wire fraud. When you hear the alleged or proven facts, you may wonder what that has to do with the U.S. mail or wire communications. The federal offense of mail fraud is under a federal statute that has remained relatively the same since enacted in 1872. Generically, it refers to any scheme, plan, deceit, or trickery carried out in a fraudulent manner with the intent of depriving another person of his property or honest services via the U.S. Postal Service or any other interstate mail carrier. Mail fraud schemes are common and include the following, but new schemes are being concocted every day. These include employment fraud and multi-level marketing, uh, commonly called pyramid schemes, financial fraud, charity and credit card fraud, schemes that charge fees for otherwise free government services, bogus lottery schemes, scams against the elderly are becoming increasingly common, involving Social Security and Medicare card schemes, solicitations disguised as invoices, and home improvement and repair scams. The elements of mail fraud are, one, the perpetrator must have acted with the intent to scheme or defraud a person or entity. Two, the scheme must have involved material misrepresentations or purposeful omissions. Three, the scheme or fraud resulted in or would likely have resulted in the loss of property, honest services, or money. And fourth, the perpetrator must have used the mail or internet carriers, such as UPS or, or FedEx, in some manner to further the scheme to defraud. Wire fraud must cross at least one state line and includes interstate connections via an email server or telephone switch or radio communication. Therefore, fraud committed by means of the internet or robocalls constitutes wire fraud. A common form of wire fraud involves bribes and kickbacks, which are generally perpetrated using telephones and email. The penalties for mail and wire fraud are severe. For mail fraud, a maximum of 20 years in prison. For wire or mail fraud involving banks, up to $1 million or a maximum 30 years in prison or both. Cases of suspected mail fraud are investigated by postal inspectors and are prosecuted in federal court. Sentencings for mail or wire fraud have included a Pennsylvania police officer convicted of mail fraud for online selling of misbranded body armor. He was sentenced to prison for one year and $124,000 in restitution. Tom Petters, the well-known Minnesota businessman, was convicted on 13 counts of mail and wire fraud in a $3.65 billion Ponzi scheme. He was sentenced to 50 years in prison. A Missouri man claimed he had an inheritance in the millions and obtained loans, promising to repay double, which was all a lie. He was convicted of wire fraud and sentenced to 42 months in prison. In summary, if it is too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Example, a friend calls you from another state and asks you to cash a payroll check for him. In return, he will let you keep $200. He mails you the check and you cash it. You are promptly charged with a felony when the payroll check is determined to be bogus. This could be charged as both mail fraud and wire fraud. So don't be a victim or a stooge. When in doubt, contact law enforcement. Those are my comments about mail fraud and wire fraud. I'm Judge Steve Halsey from Wright County District Court, Chambered in Buffalo. 
Thanks for listening to Legal Happenings. Thank you, District Court Judge Stephen Halsey, for today's legal commentary. Judge Halsey was instrumental in starting this program way back in 2013, and we thank him and Judge Geller for all the commentaries they put together for us and their time and attention to providing public information to our community. If you have a question or comment uh, you'd like to share with us here at the station, we'd love to hear it. You can reach me at lawlibrarian at frontier.com. That's lawlibrarian at frontier.com. I'd be glad to answer any of your questions or help you find something or just to say hi or tell us about a topic that you might like uh, one of the court judges to perhaps address if they find it uh, necessary and for the common good. They might well look into that. And a reminder, too, we have to protect our families, not only from the COVID-19, but we want to protect them from ourselves. Domestic abuse is up, and you can get help if there's a problem and the kids are getting up under your skin or what have you. Remember to uh, prevent child abuse. Call 1-800-CHILDREN, 1-800-CHILDREN, and or the Crisis Nursery Center is 24-hour-a-day crisis line here in our area, serving the Wright County area. If you have a question or problem, maybe they could help you at 763-271-1681 for the Crisis Nursery Center. So have have some fun with your family if you can. That's what I'd encourage you. I, I wish we had some uh, more kids to have fun with it during this kind of a tough time. But it seems like the safest place right now is at home. And again, I'd like to I remind people when you put on a mask and you go into a public building, you're protecting the other people who are sometimes looking at you like, wow, what, what's wrong with this person? That's the way I got the feeling the other day. The younger people maybe just quite don't understand how important it is to not spread this particular virus. We don't want to make anybody sick. We're protecting you, so you might want to protect someone else as well. Wear the mask. That's what our governor would like us to do so that we can get this domino effect stopped and we can all get back to our normal routine. So I do hope that if you learned something today, if you have a question or comment, again, remember me. I'm John McCooley, law librarian for Wright County, formerly. I uh, haven't been there for eight years now, I guess, but I always enjoy talking with people. So I wish you and your family well as we get through this thing, and we hope that we can uh, join you, join with you again next week at the same time here on Legal Happenings from KRWC. Thank you for listening, and, and stay well. <laughs>